Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 377, and I had a conversation with Colonel Rich Nisley. Colonel Nisley is in the United States Space Force. He serves as the Senior Material Leader for the Commercial Space Office within Space Systems Command, one of three Space Force Field Commands. That is a mouthful, I know. We chatted about what his role is within Space Force, what Space Force is, and I asked him all about what's going on up there. I was super curious about a bazillion things. I could have asked him uh, all day questions, but he was super generous with his time, and I think you're gonna really enjoy this. I don't know about you, but I certainly did not know very much about Space Force, and so this was really helpful. Check out heyhumanpodcast.com for links and to learn more about my guests and the show. Check out susanruth.com to learn more about me and my other artistic endeavors. Follow Susan Ruthism and Hey Human Podcast on social media. Find my albums on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, wherever you get your music. You can look for my albums, All I Ever Wanted Was Everything, Surfacing to Breathe, and How to Say Goodbye. They are everywhere. (laughs) Check out my relationships and sex show with sexologist and healthcare practitioner Mara Edelman on YouTube called Are We There Yet? Podcast Show. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Be well, be kind, be love. Live long and prosper. All right, here we go. Colonel Nisley, welcome to Hey Human. Thank you for having me, Susan. It's great to actually see you again. I'm really excited. We met on a random, on an airplane. You were sitting across from me in uniform. And I looked over and I thought, I think that's, I think that's Air Force, but I'm not sure. And I looked at the patch on your insignia and I thought, that's, is that, oh my God, Space Force, what? I was so excited. So I really appreciate that you were so kind uh, and talked to me and, ta- and you know, told me how to get a hold of you for an interview. No, I was glad it uh, worked out. And, uh, you know, I, it's actually really cool to uh, see your genuine interest in it. And it looked like you had a thousand questions. Just one of those awesome opportunities uh, that, you know, a Space Force Guardian can uh, reach out and just answer any questions you have and uh, anything about the, uh, the Space Force or uh, what we're doing in general. It's uh, something uh, really cool and uh, important that the public needs to know. Absolutely. Well, let's start a little bit with you personally. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? What got you interested in the military? Ooh, man. All right. So uh, I'm uh, what you call a uh, military brat. So uh, my father is a uh, retired colonel in the uh, Air Force. Wow. I have not known anything but the military in my entire life. So I was uh, born into the military and uh, we... uh, we made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven moves uh, as a kid. And, uh, you know, I just saw how the military was taking care of my father and, uh, you know, all the cool experiences that he had leading people and how they really uh, responded to him as a leader. My, my father was one of those uh, people leaders. And one of the things he always taught me was if your people are happy, the, the work will get done. I saw how they responded to him. And even when I was in high school, I did uh, what they call junior ROTC, which is taking military classes as a high school kid. So you learn how to use the uniform, 
uh, wear the uniform and uh, do drill and ceremonies and learn customs and courtesies. Just kind of decided, you know, I this is something I'm really interested in. Went to college out at uh, Colorado State and uh, took ROTC there. And I uh, commissioned into the Air Force in uh, 2000. It's kind of funny to say that I spent 21 years in the Air Force and then I moved over to the Space Force and I've been here for about two years now. That must have been quite a thing to wrap your head around. Did you grow up being interested in space, space exploration, or even just the perimeter of the Earth and what's going on there? So my father was a space operator. So he uh, was one of those one of those men and women that control the satellites from the ground. He also commanded uh, one of our uh, sites out in Hawaii. And so I've I've been I've actually grown up around space as I was growing up. It's actually kind of just really cool how I came into the military as a uh, space acquisition uh, professional, which is a program manager. The first program I worked on was a uh, survivor radio that communicated with satellites as well as, you know, point to point between uh, the radio and uh, the rescue helicopter. So most of my career has been in space as a uh, acquisition person, and I've done time working with Congress as a legislative liaison. I've had the uh, fortune of commanding twice and deploying, and it's just what I've grown up in. So when the Space Force came into uh, our world in uh, 2019, just was a natural fit for me to uh, raise my hand and uh, come over as a uh, Space Force Guardian. Is that mostly where they got people, was Air Force into Space Force? The original group, yes, were uh, mostly Air Force folks, but what we've been doing now is having a number of uh, what we're calling inter-service transfers. So people from the Army, the Navy, the Marines, who are doing space jobs within their respective services, or there were some that just really wanted to become a part of the space mission, uh, raised their hand and cross-commissioned into the uh, Space Force. So we've been doing that for uh, the past couple of years now, having a good amount of, of those inter-service transfers. And it's been really cool to have them over because you're getting a new, you're getting new ideas of how to do things. It's also really kind of reinvigorating the culture. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just really exciting. When you speak of acquisitions, do you mean the real estate of space and not the place you put a satellite? No. Uh, when I talk about space acquisitions, and it's actually the uh, primary uh, mission of Space Systems Command, which is the larger organization that I'm a part of, our mission is to uh, develop, field, launch, and um, sustain space capabilities and uh, provide those capabilities out to our respective warfighters downrange. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later on about just the importance of space, but that's really what I do as an acquisition officer is to manage the budget that you know the taxpayers trust us with because it's a uh, taxpayer money. But what we're doing is uh, managing programs and providing capability out to the warfighters. So when I'm talking about acquisitions, it could be developing a satellite, 
It could be uh, developing a user equipment that uh, utilizes space capabilities. It could also be uh, developing the ground uh, architecture, you know, those uh, command and control uh, elements that control all the satellites and stuff. So the whole space architecture has many different facets, but that's really what I'm trying to do as an acquisition officer. I'm curious to know what space means to you because I think about what we know of space, what we know of what's just beyond Earth, what's then the next step as you move out. Also, what about quantum physics and what space means for quantum physics? So how do y'all wrap your, your duties around that? So you bring up a, <laughs> the whole space environment is just uh, very multifaceted right now. But one of the reasons that we actually stood up the Space Force was just to really uh, raise the importance of space. I, I think uh, a lot of people don't realize how integrated we are in our daily lives in, with with space capabilities. I mean, you, you uh, I, I would imagine you have an iPhone, an Android, you know, this something conversation. like that. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you turn on your phone, you, you, and you turn on your Google Maps or Apple Maps, and that's powered by the GPS constellation. And that is one of our most prized uh, constellations that is, you know, more or less powered by the Space Force. So, you know, we've been operating that constellation successfully for a number of years, but it's also communications, it's weather, it's, you know, missile warning and missile track. You know, when, when you hear about China launching uh, hypersonic glide missiles, it's, it's our capabilities that are tracking these and ensuring that it does not harm any people or any of our allies. So uh, when we stood up the Space Force, we pretty much were declaring that, hey, you know, this, this is a very prized domain. It's also a very contested domain. There's a lot of activity out there. But if you think about space, it's very unique in that there are no dividing lines. It, it is government, industry, academia, allies, we're all operating in the same environment together. So it's, it's very important that we, uh, you know, preserve that freedom of movement within space because all walks of life are very dependent on this domain right now. I've seen the map of stuff floating around out there and it seems pretty crowded. Yes, it is uh, getting more crowded. I'm sure you could even go on uh, the internet to see just how many launches each many different countries are doing right now. I think each year I hear from our launch professionals, you know, both on the Eastern and Western range, that they have now broken a new annual record for launches because our launch ranges, we're not just uh, launching just national security space missions. SpaceX is launching all their commercial missions for the most part on the Eastern and Western range. You've seen a huge number of uh, small launch companies come into play. It's just amazing how people are really utilizing space to you know create new capabilities new technologies the work that nasa is doing right now with the james webb telescope you know taking pictures just of uh just uh the farthest reaches of earth and seeing the potentials of uh, like new life and new uh 
new new planets to live on. It's it it's it's just incredible to talk about right now. And what about the space between the space? What about the quantum level? You're probably asking the wrong person on that. I am. Uh, I will be the first to admit that I am a uh, program manager by heart, and I have a number of really smart people that work for me who could probably talk more at that molecular level and everything. But one thing I will say: for a while, we were just uh, kind of operating on like the uh, what we call the geo uh, the geo orbit. But now we're looking at cislunar, and we're looking at you know, ways that we can utilize that further orbit. And it's, it, it just goes out further than that. So as we're developing new launch vehicles, able to get out to those further reaches and, you know, start putting satellites and sensors and, you know, just really understanding what's going on out there. You mentioned SpaceX. I know that they are seeking to have a moon base and, there's all sorts of reasons why that might be a potential interesting situation. I, I imagine that at some point we will have jumped the shark of capabilities of getting minerals and precious metals from this planet. And obviously there's a whole lot out there on the moon, on Mars, potentially all these things. Is that part of also when you talk about acquisition, is that also part of it? Or is it really more about defense for Space Force and keeping an eye on privatized space that they don't overstep or even get in their own melees while out there? If China wants to throw something out on the moon to harvest I'm just using the moon as an example, you know, mm -hmm. then then how do how do y'all step in for that? Well, exactly. So, you know, uh, well, there's a couple of things there. So one, our primary mission right now is, you know, national defense and uh, defense of our allies, providing space capability, you know, for our nation's warfighter. That being said, we have incredible partnerships with NASA and we're working together on many different, many different uh, projects. I actually stood up an office on uh, how do we best utilize the the space that you have in a in a rocket fairing you know the big cone we were many times just launching single satellites and there was so much more space that we could have just packed more uh, capability into so i stood up an office that reached out to all those different other agencies that had capability on the ground and said, Hey, if you're going to be ready on this at this time, almost like a bus rider, I've got a ride for you. And uh, one of my first launches was actually launching a uh, payload working with a, a NASA organization. And I was actually fortunate to uh, do one of the first military integrations onto a NASA launch too. So it's just really refreshing to see the, the partnership uh, between both defense as well as uh, science and technology. So we're working together on those different aspects. Now, when you're talking about exploration of the moon and everything, that's very much a NASA mission, but we are working together to ensure that near-peer adversaries such as a China or a Russia does not get that advantage, if you will, to take over a moon or, or something. To well, what about a privatized though for an Elon Musk who wants to put a base there? And I mean, uh, to, to your point, before I get to that question though, I just have to make the 
uh, I love that NASA teaches everyone how to pack for space. That they are there's if you've ever seen, I'm sure, what goes on a Mars rover. <laughs> that's amazing. Mm -hmm. All the things that are on the rover in such a small amount of space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, engineers. Yeah, that's why things uh, take a long time to get up there. They are doing painstaking detail because what, what a lot of people don't understand is the atmosphere of space and the physics and everything that goes on, even just launching something. And when you're thinking about shock and vibe and some of the hottest and coldest temperatures that you can go through, there's a lot of uh, what we kind of call mission assurance that goes into play to ensure that that payload will actually make it to the right orbit and then at that same time do the job that it's supposed to do. You know, a lot of people in the space world, you know, say that space is hard and, you know, but, it, you know, there's, there's just so many different variables to it. Back to what you said earlier, that so much of our life is reliant on these satellites doing their jobs and somebody has to put them up there. The technology, not even just our safety, which is obviously a concern, but then there's uh, counterterrorism for computers and the things that we, that we know about that operate our daily life, but we don't think about at all. Uh, how do you convince a populace who some don't even believe we went to the moon. How do you, so how do you explain to people who really don't understand space in general, don't understand why we would need those technologies there, why we would spend these humongous budgets to do the things that are being done? How do you, aside from talking to people like me who try and get the word out, but how do you let people understand or, or lead people down that path of understanding. I think you actually just kind of hit the nail on the head is it, it's on us to have more interaction with the general public and everything. So, you know, part of one of the hurdles that we had to get over with, you know, the space force was, you know, obviously showing that this is a, a no kidding, a, a vital mission to our, our way of life. But also, you know, when the Netflix series came out, obviously we had to like, you know, clear that hurdle to show like, no, this is, I cannot explain a service that is operating daily as much as the Space Force. Our satellites don't stop. Our technology doesn't stop. I mean, you know, with the Air Force, you know, planes, pilots, they take breaks and everything, and they're doing great missions and stuff. But our operators are there 24-7. Those satellites are running 24-7. The ground systems are running 24-7. And the, the, the uh, missions that our other operators, whether it be the Air Force, Army, and Navy, they are relying on these capabilities to be there at any given point. I mean, think about a naval ship at sea. Obviously, that sun goes down and, you know, that GPS that it has, that's how it's getting from point A to point B and ensuring that it's not going to hit something in the water in the darkness. Also be able to communicate between boats, between land, that, that is all done through space. And, you know, it's just really exciting 
to talk about, but I think the Space Force is doing a great job about, you know, getting out there. Also, just outreach with young people, just like getting involved in the schools, STEM programs. It's really starting to invigorate, you know, getting people really excited about math, about science, about engineering, uh, when you start talking about these missions. And I don't, I don't want to sound like Whitney Houston and say that, you know, the children are or future or anything like that. But, you know, these are the folks that are going to take us to the next level, for sure. In my office, in the commercial space office, we have increased our industry days by, you know, I would say well over 200%. And that's just talking to industry. But one of the other things that I do is I, I go to a number of different speaking engagements out in the uh, community, whether it be folks like yourself, uh, members of industry, academia, uh, members of Congress, because they need to understand it. We need to advocate for that money and help them understand that that money is going towards vital interests for us. So I think, you know, kind of a long-winded answer is is to get out there into the community, talk to folks and show them the mission and kind of explain to them how how integrated space really is in everything that we do. How much of what you do and by you I mean the Royal U of of Space mm -hmm. Force is safety protocol is protecting the populace versus potentiality, meaning the real, real problem versus potential threat problem. As a service, we're always looking ahead. One of the great things that uh, our Secretary of the Air Force and even our Chief of Space Operations has kind of put on us is, is that we have to innovate, kind of giving you a history lesson. I mean, obviously, the U.S., you know, we used to be the only people in space for the big majority. Obviously, you had the race to space uh, between the U.S. and Russia. The majority of the space assets were U.S. assets. But now we do have near-peer adversaries such as China and Russia who have, you know, increase their capabilities, making us needing to go faster, which we need to be smarter with how we buy things, uh, with how fast we can get stuff out to the uh, warfighter, meaning not build everything in-house through the Space Force, but go out into the commercial industry, seeing how we can take their capabilities and not buy... And when I say take, not take, but, uh, you know, buy their services and integrate them into our, uh, into our space enterprise. At that same time, our allies are doing amazing things in space too. And it's uh, helping us work better together, knowing that each of our assets will be there for each other. So it's it's been really good from a teamwork aspect. We are still very focused on the now, but we are equally as focused on what's out there. And one thing that we do like to tell the public is, is that, you know, those near-peer adversaries, they're still going full steam and we need to be ready for a potential conflict. So what we're doing is getting ready for something like that to ensure that our way of life will still be maintained. That's a lot to unpack, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? It's a lot to unpack. As a human being, it breaks my heart to, to think about the fact that as we move off planet, 
it does that we take all our problems with us that we take the 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 adversarial stance instead mm -hmm. of for example the space station which is a community stance mm -hmm. uh it bums me out for in frank in frank terms it's a real bummer you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i i would say as far as the military service i'm not i my my focus is not on adversarial i think where my head is at is is to more or less preserve so when i think about I want to make sure that you are able to enjoy the space technology that's out there and to live your your lives and everything. So, you know, when I joined the military, it was more like, you know, I would have probably joined a different uh, service if I was more that rah-rah, gung-ho, and, you know, all that stuff. I'm more, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and believe me, I met with all of them when I was coming out of high school, and I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I think it's just more of the the human aspect of things where it's, you know, there's just so much wonder and amazement in space that we need, it's, it's on us as a space force to maintain the ability to, you know, keep performing that exploration and to do that. But in order to do that, we need to, we need to be able to support what could potentially happen. Yeah, I just, I think if all the countries came together with their best and their brightest, it's just the potential of what that could be. But I know that's not the real world. It's just, that's the part that, that frustrates me is that, that we do have to think in terms of protecting and, and, and all that. And I get that. And to me, I think the great irony is people have really no true idea about what's happening to keep them safe on a daily basis basis but if tiktok goes down for 20 minutes or instagram goes down all hell breaks loose right yeah that's, yeah, a, I, that's uh, a shot heard around the world <laughs> yeah exactly and from a space standpoint you know someone lost their direct tv here we go so yeah. no no you're you're exactly right now one thing it's been allowed for us to do now that we do have the space forces to kind of have more of those conversations of what some of those other countries are doing. You know, like you were talking about cyber, you know, cyber, uh, cyber attacks are probably one of the cheapest and most effective ways to do harm. And I'm sure you could like turn on the news and hear about, you know, cyber bank, uh, cyber hacks on banks and, uh, you know, other, um, uh, necessary assets when we're putting up space capabilities that's one thing that we definitely look at is is what we call cyber security ensuring that uh, no nefarious actors can break into those uh, networks so that you know we can make sure that the data that are coming back and down through uh, many different communication channels and uh, data paths are actual true data and they hasn't been tampered with so we're, we're definitely keen on uh, what's um, what's going on uh, in the ground, not to mention what's going on up in the sky. I get 20 emails a day from Nigerian princes who want to make me a millionaire. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just don't click that link. No, oh, <laughs> do not click that link. Uh, yep. Let's talk asteroids. 
there was a talk in the news, of course, recently, and it, it makes me laugh because the clickbait is all, oh, we narrowly missed Earth. We almost got obliterated by an asteroid, blah, blah, blah. And then you look and it's the distance to the moon times 12 or something. And I think, well, I mean, I guess apples and oranges, it's close in some regard, but how much of our satellite is protecting us from those sorts of intrusions? Our satellites aren't really focused on that. Now, that being said, uh, NASA, I, gosh, and I can't remember when they launched uh, last, has a program called DART. And uh, what DART was doing was to basically land on an asteroid and to start, you know, thinking about what that looks like, not to sound like the movie uh, Armageddon or anything like that. But that they, NASA has looked into that mission of, you know, what, what that would look like. And, uh, I mean, if anything, also drill on those asteroids and, <laughs> and look, at, look at some of those minerals and stuff. But uh, that's, that's one of the missions that uh, NASA has been looking at, where our satellites are more focused supporting uh, missions on earth and the the defense and everything but our our capabilities that we're producing right now are not really focused on asteroids what about things like, and I'm, I'm pulling out stuff just randomly but what about things like um, weapons that are focused to a particular focal point or a sonic weapon are there ways to protect against that sort of thing or any heads up that gets that satellites prepare us for assuming that we're talking mostly about satellites here for what the program is all about and not not further off world than that yeah no so our uh, one of our major constellations uh when we're thinking about protecting folks is our missile warning and missile track uh, constellation. Uh, the majority of that is powered by a, a satellite called uh, Sibbers. That constellation has six satellites up there right now. Actually, we just launched our last Sibbers uh, satellite just uh, this past year, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But now we're working on the next generation uh, of that uh, architecture. It's called uh, Next uh, Next Gen Geo. So we're working on the next two satellites that we're going to launch into Geo. Uh, we're working on launching other ones uh, that go into a different orbit called uh, Polar. And then we're also working with partnership with the uh, Space uh, Development Agency, who actually just launched their first satellites of what we're calling tranches. And these are smaller satellites that are going to be in the, uh, the uh, LEO orbit, which is the orbit closest to the Earth. They're going to be launching many of those uh, with a constant replenishment rate. So from a missile warning and missile track uh, standpoint, we're actually doing very well with that. And to uh, counteract any uh, issues where you maybe have seen through China or uh, North Korea or anything like that. So we're doing really well there. But uh, also a lot of our satellites are protected from, uh, you know, if, if there was going to be a nuclear blast in space, a lot of our uh, assets are protected against that. So if something were to happen, they would be able to survive something like that and be able to still function and support our troops on the ground. I imagine they're, they're built to withstand radiation to a certain extent anyway, right? I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. where they mm -hmm. are. Uh, and I also assume that as the technology improves, you're getting smaller and smarter with it. Oh, <laughs> that is uh, absolutely what we're doing. It, 
our uh, service acquisition executive, Honorable um, Frank Calvelli, he's actually said we are done with these long-term builds that have taken you know ten years and everything. Things should be getting out there faster, shorter contracts, so that we can allow innovation. It's actually been really refreshing. You know, I I still consider myself somewhat young. That it's like okay, good, we're getting into a new mindset here of getting things out there faster, not waiting for the 100% solution. Because what I always like to say is uh, 60% of something is 100% better than nothing. So get something out there right away. And then you have time in the background to innovate on it and stuff, or better yet, get it out there shake, rattle, and roll it, make sure it's working, but also, you know, talk to the warfighter, talk to our allies, talk to all these folks and say, okay, what else could we do differently and stuff? So it's a constant communication instead of throwing it out there. And then now you're waiting 10 more years to get the, the next best thing. Yeah, pretty soon it'll just be Apple Watch size satellites. <laughs> I want to see a constellation of air tags all over the place. It'd be kind of cool. <laughs> there you go. I I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Obviously, in the news lately, have been a lot of talk about machines that are flitting about that are of quote unquote unknown origin or capability. So if we have all these satellites out there, how are we not, maybe we are, and I know you probably, if we are, you're not about to say it, but you understand where I'm going with the question. Where is that stuff? And why are we not seeing it on the satellites? If it blips in and blips out, is it there? What does it mean? How do we wrap our heads around that? If we're, we're thinking about protecting ourselves from China, are they malevolent? Are they benevolent? There's, there's a lot of to unpack with that one as well. I Well, I would say what we are doing right now is uh, we're keeping an eye on everything that is going on in space right now. To kind of get to your question, I it's, it's probably above my pay grade, any of that stuff. I'm not privy to any of it, but... What I would say as far as the Space Force goes is, is that there is no better force out there that is doing right with space and is really just got their eye on the ball of, you know, seeing everything that is going on there right now so that, you know, more or less everybody can, you know, sleep well at night and just continue on with their lives and just really keep utilizing just a lot of the capabilities that are out there. I imagine things get thwarted left and right that the general public never hears about. And there is this, mm -hmm. that's the other frustrating thing is, you know, people scream and shout about, look, I, I think that teachers should be paid more. Absolutely. But I do think that we have to have a well-maintained military because things happen that there's a reason we don't know. If we did, we would all be, running around needing Prozac every five seconds, right? <laughs> I agree. Having lived that uh, Washington life for a while, there are, whoever has to balance a budget out there, you know, deserves like a gold star because I, I like to, I even tell my family all the time, it's like, there's just so many mouths to feed and it's just a juggling act of like, it's exactly what you said, you know, we need to have a modernized, strong military, but at that same time, you know, we need to ensure that 
our children are growing up and getting the proper education that they need. Uh, we need to make sure that roads are maintained. Uh, we need to make sure that we have, you know, law enforcement and, 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 and just every, everything out there. It's just really tough as far as the military goes. That's why we need to do the smart thing with those dollars. My, my commander, uh, Lieutenant General Mike Gutlein, he's actually got his head in the right direction of what he likes to call exploit by build. And the build stuff is the stuff that we've been doing for years. It's the, the, the big satellites. It's, it's, the, it's the eight to 10 year developments and everything. I mean, these are exquisite capabilities, but you know, in order to go faster, we need to kind of start pivoting away from that and start really taking into account what is the commercial industry offering? Uh, what are our international allies offering so that we can just buy that stuff and integrate it? If it's already available, we should be buying it because we could get it out there tomorrow. And then when you think about exploit, we're starting to utilize our own capabilities in ways that they weren't even intended because A, we can, but B, it helps us stay ahead of the threat. And then it, it's also, it, uh, we have the ability to share data that's just hitting the cutting room floor and proliferating it to our partners so that they don't have to do the same thing on their own. So it's a really refreshing mindset of how we, having to go faster to be more innovative. Our uh, Space Systems Command, we have a number of different in, uh, initiatives to also tap into the intellect and the innovation of our own workforce. We have offered up uh, programs to say, hey, if you come with uh, your like great idea and if it makes sense, we're gonna find some money to fund it because it, it's a great idea and we're gonna get that out there to the warfighters. So we've actually had a number of uh, really cool initiatives. It's really sparked something with the workforce, which is, it's, it's just exciting. Yeah. Do privatized space uh, groups share their toys? Um, when something really innovative happens, do they let y'all know and vice versa so that you can work together, assuming they're allies? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Part of my job as uh, leading the uh, commercial space office is I, I meet with industry all the time. I think I already had uh, five meetings today alone just to see what each industry partner is doing. And, and it's all across the board too. It could be how to fuse data together, you know, where you're, where you were going all the way from doing uh, mobility and logistics in the sky. One thing that we're looking at right now in the space force is possibly repairing satellites in the sky, you know, having modules do that. Uh, refueling our capabilities with gas, almost like a gas station in the sky, moving things down so it enters the Earth's atmosphere faster. There's a lot of stuff as well as doing the right thing for the space environment, which is also cleaning up orbital debris and was, making it a little bit cleaner. I was just going to so, ask that question. Yeah. Our group called uh, SpaceWorks, which is a very innovative group, actually awarded a number of different 
contracts looking all at orbital debris. And uh, there, it's really cool when I see these satellite companies saying, well, hey, when it's deorbiting, I can, you know, more or less deploy an umbrella and drag a bunch of that trash down with me and everything. So, and then it burns up in the Earth's atmosphere. There's a lot less clutter up there because what that clutter is going to do is now it's going to start damaging satellites. And, you know, more or less when you're talking about bringing our problems up into space, uh, I would say as far as a, uh, a race, we have not exactly been the cleanest of the group. I think it's something if we start the behavior now, I think uh, it'll benefit us down the line. I have another question about AI capability. The idea that Mm -hmm. an AI machine learning, uh, quickly learning device to go up and and be almost like a mechanic or a lineman in the sky Mm -hmm. to fix these things. Is that something that is also being worked on? We're definitely looking at that technology. In fact, we held a uh, industry uh, event just this past uh, May with the help of Microsoft. And the whole event was all about artificial intelligence and machine learning. And uh, we invited a, a bunch of industry there to you know, talk about the benefits of AI uh, while at that same time talking about, you know, how do we set the the right guardrails to ensure that you're really bounding the technology so that it doesn't, you know, go out and, you know, take over where it's not supposed to. So I know that the right people are in the discussions right now. But the one thing I would say about AI is, you know, I, I'm... Uh, very positive probably the uh, our near peer adversaries are utilizing it so I think it's something that we need to really wrap our heads around it and figure out the best ways to employ it one way that AI is just super beneficial is is that you could utilize this technology to do a lot of the I don't want to say the meaningless tasks, but there's artificial intelligence capabilities that can write an entire contract for you where it takes our people maybe, you know, let's just say three days to input it into the system. This AI technology could write it for you in the span of seconds, and then you could have a human in the loop read it and make sure that it makes complete sense. So there's just so many different ways that it can make our lives easier, but I would say that there's there's still work that needs to be done. Yeah, as a creative, it's a slippery slope. I can see it in science and technology, yes, but in the creative realm for paintings and songwriting yeah. and, and movie writing, keep your, your AI paws off yeah. my work. Uh- <laughs> well, at that, at that same time, uh, me uh, that has a, a young kid, I have to ensure that he's not chat GPTing uh, his report and he's actually uh, learning the material and stuff. So uh, it's, uh, it's, added a, uh, it's added a challenge as a parent, as a, a military member, I definitely see the, uh, the utility in it. There's always a catch-22. There is. There There's is. always a catch-22. Uh, could you tell everybody how they can learn more about what you do and about Space Force and about the command center and all of that? Is there a good central place for them to go and, and scoot around and find out more information? 
Absolutely. So uh, my my recommendation, uh, because I'm just so bad with websites, is to to Google the United States Space Force, and I know they have a public website that, that you can talk, uh, you can learn about uh, the mission of the Space Force and also the history of it. It's weird that we stood up in December of uh, 2019, but there's just so much that's already happened in the uh, close to four years that it's uh, been around. Just as a personal plug, also Google uh, the Space Systems Command. Um, One thing I will say is under the uh, Space Force, there are three uh, field commands, which is our major commands. Uh, Space Operations Command, which are the uh, folks that do the uh, organized training and equip for all of the uh, operators, but also the uh, operations of the satellites and the uh, ground equipment. STARCOM, which uh, is focused on training and testing and writing doctrine and uh, uh, techniques, tactics, and procedures. For the uh, major acquisition uh, Space Systems Command, look at all the missions that we do, whether it be development, fielding, uh, launching. I mean, there's nothing more cool than a launch. If you've ever been to Vandenberg or uh, Patrick or Cape Canaveral, just to see those uh, big rockets or small rockets go up, really cool. But also we're doing amazing things with sustainment and ensuring that when we launch something and it gets into its orbit, that it, we're able to maintain it and uh, you know keep it going. Your recruitment centers must be fascinating. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And uh, that's all part of uh, Starcom. And it's really getting out there. In fact, I uh, we just uh, had the uh, chief master sergeant of the uh, Space Force visit us just this week. And I just learned that Space Force is now going to have its own honor guards. So, you know, when you think about the folks going out and into the uh, football games and, de- and displaying the flags, but also uh, military uh ceremonies like funerals and stuff to really uh, pay honor to uh, those members you know it's just really important to have and to uh, bring importance to the uh, to the force now if uh, a being touched down in your uh, you have kids so you probably aren't going to do this i know what my answer is but if a being touched down and said come we're going to take you deep space you can explore everywhere would you go <laughs> oh geez you know uh <laughs> I don't know. I've been watching all these videos on all this uh, space travel and space exploration and everything. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I have done a lot of crazy things in my time. And I will probably, if the opportunity comes, I'll add that to my mix. So absolutely, I will go out there and I think it'd just be just an incredible experience. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not really interested in orbiting the planet. I want to go full on Star Trek, deep space, the the oh. prime directive, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> uh, keep, uh, keep watching some of these uh, companies because uh, they are very, f- I mean, just the excitement of, you know, going back to the moon, that's that's huge. Human uh, space exploration is back. I mean, we're going to have uh, SpaceX has uh, uh, gotten out to the um, space station a couple of times. I know the United Launch Alliance is uh, going out there. I think everybody is just, it's just an exciting time for space right now. Yeah, let's hope it unifies people a little more. Now, one thing I would say, you know, just as kind of a, uh, you know, and I hate to consider myself an old guy in the military, but I'm going to right now, 
it's been really awesome watching our junior force take on more responsibilities. You know, I remember when I first got in, you know, you were handled with kid gloves and, you know, uh, yeah, you're, you're not quite old enough to make coffee. So you could go fill the cream and everything, but I've been working with some very young uh, company grade officers and, you know, in military speak, those are the uh, lieutenants and captains. And I personally have been excited just to say, you know what, hands off, you go run this, let me know what you need from me. And just seeing that the, uh, the results that they're bringing back, it just brings such a smile to my face. And I, I think, you know, as we build the space force and we, you know, continue the momentum of excitement that we have, you know, as we're bringing in all of this talent, I have great confidence in where everything is going to go. And one and one more thing to your point, I would say the cooperation between the United States and its allies is at an all-time high with regards to space right now. I mean, at Space Systems Command, we host a number of different countries, uh, the Uni uh, United Kingdom, the Australians. I'm meeting with uh, the Japanese next week. The Dutch have come. I, it's been really cool to see how they want to get involved and and just work together across. And we have an amazing uh, international affairs office here that's just, just uh, doing just amazing work bridging uh, these partnerships. So I would definitely say, you know, as far as the United States and its allies, the cooperation with regards to the space domain is, is you're, you're in good hands. It's exciting. It's really exciting. It is. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. You were really gracious about it and I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I was glad that we were able to make it happen. I, I was actually, uh, I was pinging our public affairs team. I was like, is it going to happen? Because she was so cool to talk to. So no, it was great. I'm really excited about getting this out for my listeners, which, by the way, thank you for listening, everybody. And thank you. And keep in touch. If there's something exciting you want to talk about, you have an open door always. And if you got a physicist running around back there, send them my way. Awesome. And that was great talking to you. And, uh, you know, thank you uh, to your listeners for uh, taking interest. And, uh, you know, it'd be kind of cool to do it again sometime. Hey, thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.